اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم سو آئی گیو یو سم ہوم ورک واٹ واز دیٹ ٹو گو فار اے واک اینڈ لک ایٹ دا ونڈرفل کریشن آف اللہ بٹ جسٹ لک ایٹ ایٹ اور ڈو سم تھنگ ریفلیکٹ سو ڈیڈ یو ڈو یور ہوم Don't tell me you stayed at home. You stayed indoors because the weather was very nice so you really had no excuse. So did you do it? Yeah? Come on. You did not go out of the house this whole week? Is it? Were you indoors everywhere you went? Yeah. You walked? You walked home from school. And what did you see on the way? Okay. What was nice? Just walking was nice. The clouds, the sun, the brightness, the wind, the breeze. Yes? She's saying that she likes to walk barefoot outside, especially on the grass, because then she can feel. Right? And really, what you experience on your skin, you cannot experience through your shoes. Right? Anybody else? Yes? That she's saying a few days ago, she looked out from her apartment because she lives on the 23rd floor, mashallah. So from there she saw that while it was raining, one side was really bright and sunny and the other was very cloudy and dark. So you see that contrast in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I went for a walk as well. And you know what I noticed? Tiny buds on trees. that those trees, the branches that were dry and hard and lifeless, now all of a sudden they're coming back to life. And those same branches that were so stiff and dry have now become soft. You can actually press them. And they have buds on them. And I was looking at the different kinds of trees. Some had green buds, others had white, and others even had red, colored ones. So you see the variety. And you see how Allah brings the dead to life. Those that are dead, Allah brings them to life. He shows it to us today in this life. And He can also do it on the Day of Judgment when He will resurrect everyone. Now, I'm sure many of you observed many things. But you know what our problem is? What we suffer from is that we don't know how to reflect. We see, correct? We saw the rain, we saw the sun, we saw the clouds, we felt the breeze, we felt the nice prickly grass on our feet. We notice so many things, but we don't know what we're supposed to get from looking at those things. Is there something that we should think about? Is there any lesson that we should take? This is what we lack. Yes. Okay, so I have a son and he was born in the winter. Yes, that we see that little children even, when they are exposed to the outdoors, even they notice the vastness of the creation of Allah, the different colors, She's mentioning her own experience with her baby who was born in the winter and now that the weather is good, she's been taking him outside and how even he was looking at the trees and noticing the things around. Um, yesterday my brother and I went for a walk. Very true. That how quickly the weather can change. That on the way going somewhere, it's very nice and sunny and on the way back, it could be cloudy and rainy and extremely chilly. So all of this, who decides that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's not asking anything from us. Exactly. That how all of these things that are there, the sun, the rain, the clouds, the wind, the grass, whatever it is, who is it benefiting? Us. But nothing is demanded from us in return in the sense that we pay back 
all that Allah wants from us is what? Shukr and ibadah. That's it. So, inshallah today, we will go over the verses again, and we will learn how to reflect. First of all, we will learn that is it necessary, is it important to reflect? What's the point? You know, when people think about looking outside, they say, oh, why are you being so fluffy? Right? They think, you know, people who are very emotional or very fluffy, they're the ones who notice these things and reflect on them. And people who are very superficial, they're the ones who talk about these things. But the reality is quite the opposite. So we learn about what is tafakkur, why tafakkur, how tafakkur, what are the benefits of tafakkur. Okay? So let's look at the verses again. إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ لَآيَاتٍ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا سُبْحَانَكَ رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا سُبْحَانَكَ فَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ Indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth, and the alternation of the night and the day are signs for who? For those people who have intellect. And who are they? They are the ones who remember Allah when? While standing and sitting and reclining. And they don't just remember Allah, but they also look and notice and observe the creation of what? The heavens and the earth. And the heavens and the earth is basically what? Everything that we know. Everything that we see. Everything that we can notice. So they notice, they look at what Allah has created, they reflect on it, and what's the conclusion of their reflection? That, oh our Lord, you have not created all of this without a purpose. Glory be to you, so save us from the punishment of the fire. The word yatafakkaruna, it is from the word tafakkur. And what does tafakkur mean? To reflect. It's from fikr, fa Some understand the word fikr as worry. Right? When you're worried about something, when you think about something. Why? Because you reflect on its different aspects. If the cake burns, if the oven doesn't work properly, if I overcook it, if I undercook it, you're reflecting on the different aspects of something. And tafakkur is what? Tafakkur is basically when the heart is constantly engaged in thinking about something. That why and how and where from and what's the purpose? So for example, if there's a tree, a person doesn't just look at the tree, that okay, this is a tree, it's brown, it has leaves on it, okay, it produces oxygen, it it purifies the air, it serves as food, you know, and shelter for so many creatures. He doesn't just look at the tree and analyze it. This is just the science of it. Tafakkur is not just science, no. Tafakkur is to think about why the tree. Where did it come from? Who made it? How is it possible that this tree came into existence? What purpose is it serving? How is it benefiting me? Why is it benefiting me? 
And what am I supposed to do? When I benefit from the tree, what can I learn from the functions of the tree, from its servitude to Allah, from the benefit that it brings to the rest of the creation? What can I learn? What can I understand? So remember that the fakr is not just the study of the science of something, of how it operates, but why it operates, what's the purpose, where it came from, what can I learn, how does it relate to me? Because this kind of reflection is basically what is beneficial. Because if you think about it, the science of something can be learned by anybody. Isn't it so? You can record it in a book even. If you record that information in a book, and if you record that information in your head, what's the difference? No difference. Knowing the information alone is not beneficial. What is beneficial? When you derive a lesson from it. Because there is a difference between a computer knowing the science of something, a software knowing the science of something, and a human being knowing the science of something. There has to be a difference. A human being, when he learns about something, there has to be some kind of emotion. There has to be some kind of reflection, some kind of relation, you know, some kind of observation that will lead to better action. Alright? And if you think about it, the creation of the heavens and the earth, especially the origin. All of us know about the Big Bang Theory. Isn't that so? Are you familiar with it? That how the scientists say that there was a big bang, a big explosion, right? And then as a result of that, everything came into existence. The other day I was reflecting on this, that, you know, they say that human beings, they came from homo sapiens and, you know, evolution and so on and so forth. Okay, go back. Go back. Even for the sake of argument, if you say human beings came from homo sapiens, they were a different form before. For the sake of argument, who made that? Where did it come from? Okay, big bang. But what caused it? Something caused it, right? We know that everything in the universe is an effect of what? A cause. Alright? Like for example, when we look at a tree growing, we always think about why? How? Okay, it's taking water. Okay, it's being exposed to sunlight. Okay, there's fresh air. As a result of that, the tree grows. We always look at how things happen. How they begin. Why there is a problem in the body. How a disease spreads. We always reflect on the causes. But we don't reflect on the ultimate cause. That who allowed it to happen and why. You know, the other day somebody was mentioning to me that they heard in a khutbah that a scholar was mentioning that imagine you're preparing food for some guests and you made biryani, okay? And they ask you, wow, how did you make it? Why did you make it? And you tell them that I cooked the onions first, then I put the garlic and the ginger and I put all the you know, spices and I put the meat and I put the rice and the color and whatever. And they say, okay, but why? Why did you make it? Like, I cooked the onions and I cooked the spices and I put the meat and I put the rice. But why? Why? Like, I did this. This is exactly what happens today, right? When you hear about some natural disaster or when you learn about some major discovery, you will only learn about how it happens because this is all that we reflect on. We don't reflect on why. Tafakkur is to reflect on why? Why did this come about? Why did Allah create this? 
Why? What's the lesson that I'm being taught? What can I learn from this? This is what tafakkur is. So those people who have intellect, a lub, they don't just have aql, but they have a lub. What do they do? They reflect on the why as well. That if somebody's making biryani, they're making it to serve, to honor who? Their guests, because they love them. So likewise, Allah has created so many beautiful things, and we just reflect on the how, and we don't reflect on the why. That Allah has created all of this for a purpose. What is that purpose? What is that purpose? That we benefit from all of these things, because Allah has created all of this for who? For us. خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا Everything in the earth has been created for who? For human beings. And what are we made for? For the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So everything He made for us, and we are for who? For Him. Everything for us, and we are for Him. So the ulul albab, they reflect on khalq al-samawati wal-ard. They reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth, and also on the alternation of the night and the day. And Allah says that indeed in these are what? ayat, Many signs. What are the many signs? What are the many lessons that we can learn? First, remember in tafsir I told you that in the creation of the heavens and the earth there are many things that can be seen. First of all, the vastness and the beauty. How vast the sky is and how vast the earth is. A video basically that I saw. And in that, they were showing about how huge the universe is, the known universe, the observable universe. And basically it was not a video, it was like a presentation, you had to scroll down. Okay? And at the end it said that if we were to record all that is in the universe that we know of, that we can see in this document, it would take you, Allahu alam, how many years to scroll down. It would take you thousands and thousands of years to scroll down. So it's not possible. So it said, let's just stop here. Because we cannot even record it. We cannot even fathom, we cannot even imagine the vastness of the skies that Allah has created. The magnitude of the bodies that exist in the skies. And the earth even, so massive. It's so huge. And just to make you see, if you look at this picture, this is the size of an average human being. Okay, This is the size of this dodo bird. Okay, If you compare the sizes of the creation, a human being is that small. If you go a little bigger then this is how much big an elephant is. Okay, This is the relationship. And, and you can see the numbers over here. I don't want to say the numbers because it's going to take too long then. This is the size of an average house, a cactus, an oak tree. And as you go bigger, 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 you see the size of the blue whale and the dinosaur and the Boeing 747. Okay, The Statue of Liberty, football field. All right? the size of Titanic, the size of the pyramids, the gateway arch, Washington Monument, Eiffel Tower. Okay, look at the Hoover Dam. And as you keep zooming out, that's the Half Dome. And as you keep zooming out, that's Burj Khalifa. As you keep zooming out, that's the Vatican City. Those are some falls. 
سینٹرل پارک اوکے پام جبل علی ماؤنٹ ایوریسٹ جسٹ ٹرائی ٹو امیجن دا گریٹنیس آئلینڈس اینڈ دیر یو آر یا یو آر لاسٹ بیسکلی دیٹس دا سائز آف ویسٹ ورجینیا کمپیئر ٹو وٹ وی ہیو سین دیٹس دا گرینڈ کینین لک ایٹ دا سائز آف کیلیفورنیا اینڈ اٹلی اینڈ ٹیکسس دیٹس دا سائز آف دا مون ایز یو کیپ زومنگ آؤٹ دیٹس دا سائز آف دی ارتھ اینڈ یو کیپ زومنگ آؤٹ and then you see all the different planets and we think they're huge right now distance from earth to moon that's how much 1 million okay then look at the size of the sun the different stars the different celestial bodies these are things that we don't even know and these are just some things that people have discovered imagine all that has not even been discovered Exactly. Allah is watching. Nebula. Amazing. It's massive. The skies are just huge. So who can make something that's so big? There has to be someone who made it. And you would think that it would stop somewhere. But it doesn't stop. You know, one galaxy after the other. And this is just the observable universe. This is the estimated size of the universe. If this is the greatness of the creation, what does that reflect? The greatness of who? The creator. And as you zoom in, you would think that it stops somewhere here. As you reach, you know, what you see. This is the size of an average human being. But look at all that exists that is much smaller than us, that we cannot even perceive with our naked eye. That's the size of a human egg, skin cell. red blood cell these are things that are observed with the microscope and perhaps not even that even an atom has something within it even a proton has something within it so this is just the vastness the magnitude of the heavens and the earth of the skies and the earth what's the sign what's the lesson that we learn from this as you were watching this reflecting on it What lesson can we learn from it? Yes? Exactly. That if you reflect on this, you realize how small and how tiny you are. But yet, we think so great of ourselves. So it teaches us a huge lesson of what? Humility. That we are really nothing. I mean, compared to the Eiffel Tower, what are we? Compared to the size of the earth, what are we? I mean, the earth looks so small compared to the sun. What are we before the sun? And here we are cursing the sun. It's so sunny. Like, really? What are we? What other lesson do we learn? That it's not just the vastness and the beauty, but it's also how firm, how strong, how solid, how intricate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made all of these things. And what does that show? The perfection of the Creator. Not just His greatness, but His perfection and His knowledge. We cannot even try to list the things that Allah has created. And who knows about them? Obviously the Creator. On the one hand is the human being. On the other hand is the rest of the creation. Okay? The rest of the creation, what is its state? Submissive to Allah. What is it doing? 
يُسَبِّحُونَ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارُ Glorifying Allah night and day. Submissive to Allah, worshipping Allah, praising Him, glorifying Him. And we have been given free will. And if we don't worship Allah, if we don't surrender to Him, then are we causing any loss to Allah? Not at all. We are only harming ourselves. Allah does not benefit from our gratitude. He doesn't benefit from our worship. It is we who benefit. I mean, we find it difficult to comprehend this. And there's so much more that exists that we do not know, we cannot even comprehend, we cannot even imagine. We have no idea. But imagine the knowledge of the one who made all of this. By hearing us, by looking at our actions, by appreciating our actions, that we are so small, so insignificant, so ordinary, when Allah hears our du'as, when He watches our actions, He really honors us. We copy Allah's creation and we think we are so great. Whereas the reality is that the creation that Allah has made, that is far more superb and amazing. A very good lesson that if you look at the different variety that Allah has created, I mean, just compare their sizes. But they're all working in a system, complementing one another, at the end, benefiting us. So likewise, when we work together, when we complement one another, okay, help one another with our strengths, and fulfill each other's weaknesses, then make up for them, then only we can do something beneficial. So there are many lessons that can be learned, many ayat from just the vastness of the creation, just the vastness of the heavens and the earth. Then the next thing is the alternation of the night and the day. وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ I'll show you a video and you tell me what you learned from this. This is by the way taken by NASA. And this is North America. Do you see? This is actually real pictures. Okay? The night, and you see the aurora lights? And how that turns into day? You see the night? And there is day. What do you notice here? That it's constantly moving. We don't feel the movement. But it's constantly moving. There is a constant change that's happening without even us realizing it. So what are some of the signs, some of the lessons that we can learn from the alternation of the night and the day? That if there is a night, it will eventually pass. When the day has come, eventually it will be over. So what lesson do we learn from that? That nothing in life is permanent. كُلَّ يَوْمٍ هُوَ فِي شَأْنٍ Every day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is producing something new, bringing about a new matter, a new affair, something good that we will like or attest for us. وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ The night reduces, the day becomes longer, right? The night is cool, the day is hot. So we also learn about the variety the different aspects of something. If there's good in something, there's also bad. If there's bad in something, there's also good. And if the good has increased, if the benefit has increased, someday it can also become less. So don't expect perfection from people. Don't expect perfection from things. 
سُؤْلَ آيَاتِ But for who? لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ For those people who have intellect. And then what do we see? After the alternation of the night and the day, in the next ayah we learn, وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth. If you look at the earth in itself, there are levels of beauty. Look at what is on the ground. Then look at what is on the mountains. Then look at what is up in the sky that you can see. And then look at what is beneath the soil. Look at what is on the surface of the water and look at what is under the water. There are levels of beauty. So many intricate things that we see. And just the sight of it is so amazing. If you study the science of it, that is far more amazing. It just bewilders you, leaves you in amazement. Just look at this very common dandelion. Isn't this something so common that we see? And we think it's a nuisance, right? Yes, it does become a challenge for us, but look at the size of it and also the beauty of it. And how this turns into a flower, right? If you just reflect on the process of it, it's amazing. Look at a simple web. It looks like a web, but if you observe it in detail, how amazing it is. Who taught the spider to make such a web? Who taught the spider? The spider could not have learned itself. You know, the other day I was at a pet store and I saw that there were these birds, really beautiful tiny birds in a cage. And those birds, obviously, their fitra is such, their nature is such that they're going to make their own nests. So what they had done was, they had put lots of straw okay, in a pouch that was hanging in the middle of the cage. And those birds, what they were doing was they were picking on that straw and taking it to where their nest was. They were actually making their own nest in a cage. I felt so sorry for them. But I was amazed that a bird, no matter where it is, it will do what Allah has taught it to do. Because Allah has taught it. Allah has put it in its fitrah. Then look at the beauty of the birds. That it's amazing. These are feathers. We don't even have such patterns you know, that we can make ourselves. And if we do make something, we imitate what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. Look at how amazing they are. That we see that even if there is beauty in the birds, in their feathers, then there is a purpose behind that as well. And what's that purpose? Either to attract or to scare. Correct? So there is a reason behind everything. So ultimately, what is the reason behind why all of this was created. That if you think about a dandelion, so small. But if we try to make it, we can never make something as delicate as that. And if we did, it wouldn't be perfect. And if it would function well, it would not be as beautiful. I want to tell you my personal experience. I was working as a quality assurance manager and, um, in Kohenur Group of Industries. One of our customers, you know about the Nike, the, uh, she came and she said, I need, uh, she gave me the uh, peacock feather and she said, can you produce this color? That was turquoise and it should not bleed, you know, it should be very fast. So, you know, we in fact produced that. And after that she said, I need that specific hand feel, you know. Can you, Mrs. Barber, can you feel this, the hand feel? You know, it took three, four months to our research team to produce that hand feel. And when we produced the, you know, uh, what should I say, the samples, and when we delivered that to them, and she rejected, you know, this is not that feel I really am feeling. You know, I need that hand feel. And we really, really lost that, you know, big order of the Nike.
So we really can't even reproduce the things that the Creator has created for us. Exactly. Very true. And if you go under the water, it's another world completely. It's completely different. That if you think about it, deep in the water, you will see such beautiful scenes which we are only seeing now. Who saw them 200 years ago? Did they have cameras back then? Did they have such technology, such equipment with which they could dive that deep and they could look at all of this beauty? They couldn't. There was no one, no people to look at and appreciate and study all of this that Allah has created. And yet there is so much within the water that we can still not reach. Isn't it so? Because it's in complete darkness. But still in that darkness, there are fish, there are organisms that are amazing, that are beautiful. We only look at their beauty when we put light on them, when we see them in the light. Otherwise they are hidden. And what does that show to us? What does that teach us? That how ghani Allah is. How free of need He is. If we make one thing, we want it to be noticed. We prepare a meal that looks good, even if it tastes horrible. We will take a photo of it. We will put it online. We will show it to the whole world. We will boast like anything. And we will think as if we've become the best chefs in the world. We produce one thing. We want it to be noticed. How ghani Allah is. He doesn't want any one of us to even look at what He has made. He doesn't need that. That in a place where you would think there can be no life, it's so dark, it's so deep, there's so much pressure, but still there is life. Who made that? Allah. Who has the power to do that? Who has the knowledge, the skill to do that? Allah. Um, it's, assalamu alaikum. Um, in geography class, we study ocean currents that are like, you can't see them, but they're moving underneath the water. And when we were studying about like global warming and stuff, and one of the ocean currents that could possibly like get ruined, and it's the one that takes like warm water and warm air to London and the near Britain. And it's kind of like if that gets ruined, Britain could go under like in an ice age. So it's amazing that something we can't even see, we can't really track what's going on, but it's happening. It's happening without even us asking or making a request or making an appeal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do that. I mean, there's so many things He's doing without even us asking. In my art class, we are, these days we're making sculptures for underwater sea creatures, right? So um, my teacher, she told us to bring pictures of sea creatures that you've never seen before. And so everyone brought their pictures and there were these creatures that you didn't even know would exist. Like there was like this random stuff that like, you know, like stuff put together. <laughs> it was like... Like it's... Yeah, it it's was just... amazing that how it is that you don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, exactly. You don't even have words to describe it, <laughs> right? That you don't even you run out of names, you run out of words, but the creation of Allah doesn't finish, right? This is why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran that if the oceans were ink and all of the trees were pens, and you were to write with it the words of your Lord, the oceans would be exhausted, even if they were replenished. So really, if you start listing and naming the different creatures that Allah has made, you would run out of vocabulary. But the creation of Allah wouldn't finish. And I was just thinking, like, looking at all this beauty, um, like the ocean and then the, not just this earth and the things that we haven't seen, it's just the beauty of this earth, of this world. Imagine Jannah. Yes. We cannot. That's just, we need to get there. And so remember Jannah? عرضها السماوات والأرض. 
It's as vast as the heavens and the earth. This is how huge Jannah is. So if in this world, which is just mata'a, temporary, qalil, I mean, all of the earth, even if it were in gold, it cannot get you to Jannah. This is how expensive Jannah is. This is how valuable and precious it is. Just think about how beautiful Jannah would be. If in this world there is so much beauty, then in Jannah there is beauty that we cannot even imagine. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I was thinking about Nemo and how we were talking about how deep under the ocean is just too dark to see and how there was this fish that had a natural light to it. And I was thinking about also the Titanic, about how these people, they had to go all the way down there and they had to take such powerful lights down there just to see it. Mm-hmm. But these natural fish, they have lights that can uh, that Allah supplied them that can help them catch the food and they can lure their yeah. food to them. And if they don't have that light, they have sensors, yes. right? With which they can sense if something is nearby by just waves that we cannot even see. We cannot even feel. But they're there. Go ahead, please. When you were listening different, you know, reflection, the thing was coming in my mind as well. Like, you know, everything has a reason. Creator has uh, created the things uh, with some reason. So what is the reason that He has created us? That we have to go back to Jannah. No, but Jannah, this is really, we have to earn it here. You know, we really can't go into the Jannah back until unless we will struggle so hard in this world so we can go back there. In dunya, if you want to see something beautiful, does it come for free? No, it doesn't. These days it's become easy that you can watch a video or something. But if you want to go see the Grand Canyon, if you want to go see beautiful falls, or if you want to look at the view from Mount Everest, I mean, it's not easy. If you want to see something beautiful, you have to pay the price for it. Right? So likewise, if you want to see Jannah, you want to get there, you have to pay the price for it. I was thinking, when we look at the beauty of the Creator, we never get tired of it. And when human being, we make something, after some time we get tired of it. And no matter, like Niagara Falls, I have been here for so many years, and come summer, I, I still want to go and see, uh, visit Niagara Falls. And no matter how many times we go to the beach, we don't get tired. We yes. always want to go to the beach again. Yes. Very true. That if you look at the sky even, you'll never get tired of looking at it because it's constantly changing. I mean, the clouds, the sun, the rays, it's amazing. Constantly changing. You don't get bored of it. But what we make, we get bored of it. The cushions, the carpet, the colors, we get bored of it. We want a different scene. So, وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ And the conclusion of their research, of their reflection, of their observation is, رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا O our Lord, You have not created all of this in vain. سُبْحَانَكْ Glorified are You. فَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ So save us from the punishment of the fire. Save us from the punishment of the fire. Why do they say that? Because when Allah has created all of this, when you reflect on it, you realize this is not here without a reason. This is not here without a reason. If a tree grows leaves, eventually those leaves fall to the ground. Right? Eventually they fall to the ground. Likewise, if there's a human being that is living, eventually a day will come when it will be buried in the earth. We are not here forever. This is a big lesson that we learn when we reflect on the creation. 
The night comes and eventually it goes. The day comes and eventually it goes. Nothing in this world is permanent. A big lesson that we learn. So likewise, we are here for some time, we are going. And who are we going to? Allah. So, oh our Lord, when we come back to you, save us from the punishment of the fire. فَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ So one of the various lessons that we learn in these two verses, first of all we learn about the importance of reflection. That we are all being encouraged to reflect on the creation, on what we see. That don't just look and move on, but notice and observe and reflect at how something is, why it is like that, how it changes, how it comes and it goes. Because this is what will lead to increase in iman. Tafakkur has many benefits. It has many benefits. And of the benefits is what? Increase in iman. Increase in the awareness of who Allah is. It helps you develop self-awareness even. Like we reflected a little bit and we realized how small we are and how great Allah is. So it brings many benefits. And tafakkur is an action of the heart. What is tafakkur? An action of the heart. And an action of the heart, when it's done consciously, when it's beneficial, then we see that it's far better than an action of the limbs. With the limbs, you know, you could be doing something physical. But if your heart is not engaged in it, if your mind is not engaged in it, that action could be useless. But if your heart is engaged in something, that is far better. And this is the reason why Al-Hasan Al-Basri, he said, تَفَكُّرُ سَاعَةً خَيْرٌ مِّنْ قِيَامِ لَيْلَةً That reflecting for a single hour is better than standing the entire night in prayer while the heart is distracted. You could be standing the entire night in prayer, but if your heart is not in it, it's not as beneficial. What is more beneficial is reflecting on the creation of the heavens and the earth. Reflecting on the Sharia of Allah with a heart that is attentive, that is something that is far more beneficial. So we see that reflection, it revives your iman, it increases your iman, and it helps you develop yaqeen. Doesn't it? It helps you develop certainty. I mean, we know Allah is great. We know Allah knows everything. But when we reflect on the creation, then really you develop that certainty that Allah is actually very great. Allah is very knowledgeable. Allah is very wise. You develop that certainty. So it leads to conviction. And we see that it grows you in your love for Allah. You admire Allah's actions, His decisions even more. You know, this is just like if there's a machine, you don't know how it works, you don't know what it does, you don't even bother to look at it, its purpose, its function, anything you're not going to care about it. It could be garbage for you. Right? It could be junk for you. But once you get to know about how it works, what it does, then you appreciate it. Isn't that so? So if this is the matter with ordinary creation, and وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى When you learn about Allah, then definitely this will grow in your love for Allah. Many of us, we feel distant from Allah. We feel far away from Allah. You know, we think about Allah, but we don't have that connection. Why? Because we don't reflect on His actions. We don't reflect on what He has made. We don't reflect on Him. So it is necessary that we reflect on the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that we can develop you know, love for Him. And only when there is love, only when there is fear, it will lead you to being submissive. 
this is something that will lead you to submission. Because it will put you in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what will drive you to action. Ibrahim ibn Adham, he was asked that you reflect a lot. That you think too much. You reflect too much. And he said, Al-fikrah mukhul ibadah. That reflection is actually the essence of worship. What is worship without reflection? It's the essence of worship. Because it makes you conscious. It makes you alert. It makes you notice. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, he said, Al-fikrah fi ni'amillah min afdal al-ibadat. That reflection on the blessings of Allah is of the best acts of worship. That when you reflect on the blessings that Allah has given you, this is one of the best acts of worship that you can do. Because your heart is involved, your mind is involved, your eyes, your hearing, everything is involved. It's one of the best acts of worship. And this is the reason why one of the scholars said that if the people reflected, if the people reflected the way they should reflect, then they would not disobey Allah. If we reflected on the creation, on the wonders of creation, the way we should, then we would not disobey Allah. Recently, somebody who was very close to me got seriously ill. Extremely ill. And they basically caught dengue fever. Okay, And this fever you get by what? A mosquito bite. A mosquito carrying disease, if it bites you, then you can catch this fever and it can actually kill you. It can affect your blood, decreasing the platelet level really badly. It causes extreme fatigue. It's called breakbone fever as well. Because it completely exhausts you and weakens you, drains you. You've had it? Yeah, I have been through that. It's so terrible, so terrible. I really can't even imagine of that. Yes. I, my son, he was like um, uh, five years old. He got a dengue fever. We were in Pakistan. And you know, and, um, from him, I got that fever. And you know, finally I was really thinking from where I can, you know, uh, get relief. Take my kids, you know. I can't even fight with a small mosquito. Yes. That we see that one mosquito, one mosquito that's so tiny, it can come and bite you. And that's it. You're in bed for the next two weeks. You're in extreme pain for so long. That's so much so that medication even doesn't help. There's no cure for it. You just have to go through the pain. You just have to experience the fever. All you can take is some painkiller. Even that is not effective many times. But this is just one mosquito bite. Imagine one mosquito bite. So what are we? What are we? We are really nothing. We cannot even hide from a mosquito. We cannot even get away from it. If it's in our house, if it's in the city, where can you go? What can you do? Bites you once and you're done. Just one bite and you're done. And when you are in the healing position, you start you know, scratching yourself and when you scratch, you know, sometimes the bloods come out. Yeah. You know, that happened to me as well. The blood started coming out of my throat as well. Yeah, it can lead to extreme condition even. So anyway, the point here is that if we reflect on the creation of Allah, then we would not disobey Allah. That we would really realize how small we are, how vulnerable we are, how weak we are, that we cannot avoid the power of Allah. We are so vulnerable. Then how can we even dare to disobey Him? 
This is why Allah says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ It is those people who have knowledge, who have fear of Allah. And knowledge is not just information. It's true understanding that, that puts that knowledge into action. And that comes with reflection, with understanding. So if the people truly reflected, then they would not disobey Allah. Bishr al-Hafi, he also said something similar, that if people reflected on the majesty and the greatness of Allah, they would not be able to disobey Him. They would not be able to disobey Him. So this is the reason why reflection is so important. It keeps you human. It reminds you of your purpose. It reminds you of who you are, of your reality. It keeps you focused on the purpose of your life. This is why reflection is essential. And you have to develop this habit. Notice, reflect, look. Don't just pass over. Reflect. And this is the reason why a poet said that إِذَا الْمَرْءُ كَانَتْ لَهُ فِكْرَ فَفِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ لَهُ عِبْرَةٍ That when a person has fikra, meaning he begins to reflect, then he can take a lesson from everything. From a mosquito, to a fly, to a leaf, to the moon, to the sun, everything. He can take a lesson from it. If we begin to reflect, only then can we fulfill our duty to Allah. She's giving the example of how someone was uh, not praying, they were just playing video games and they said, you know, get up and pray. And this person replied, I don't feel like it, you know, my heart doesn't want to. So she said, who gave you this heart? What if this heart stops functioning? And then they played a little bit and then they stopped and they went and prayed. So tafakkur, it scares you. It motivates you. It drives you. Also one of the main lessons we learn here is that all of this creation reflects the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet despite His greatness, He's so appreciative. So appreciative that we do something small and He rewards abundantly. And inshallah, this is exactly what we will learn in the following ayat. Then we also learn in these verses that those people who have pure, or you can say khalis intellect in its purest form, they are praised over here. And what is the purest form of intellect? That when it's submissive to Allah, when it reflects in the correct way, when it notices the things that we should notice, okay, when it's not filled with useless things, okay, the love of useless things and the information that is completely useless, no, that intellect, that mind is in servitude to Allah. So they are being praised over here, ulul alba, because they're the ones who see the ayat and benefit from them. Our problem today is that our thoughts, our minds are so clouded, okay, we're so distracted that we don't even have the time to look at what Allah has created. And if we do look at it, we're like, yeah, so what? It's a flower. Duh. It's a leaf. Yeah, it happens every year. What's the big deal? Right? We say such things, don't we? Because we are in so much awe of the iPhone and you know these games and this makeup and this breathable nail polish that we will reflect on that but we won't reflect on what Allah has created because our minds are corrupted our thoughts are corrupted so really sometimes you have to block everything out put it away get away from it so that you can reflect on the creation Ibn Umar anhu, what would he do? He had a habit of going out of the city, away, into the desert, where there would be nobody, no buildings, no people, no streets, nothing. And there he would go and look and keep observing. And then he would say, Aina ahluk, where are your people, O earth? I mean, where is everyone? Nobody's here. 
Everything will be destroyed except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing is permanent. Only Allah is permanent. So we see that Ibn Umar, he would take the time out to go and reflect. And this is something that we need to do as well. Take the time out from your apparently busy schedule. That we think we're so busy. But we always have time to talk to our friends. We always have time to just sit and stare at nothing. We always have time to just keep reading the messages and the emails and you know things that we like. We have the time to keep reading some articles or news. We have the time to do that. But when it comes to reflection, we're too busy. Shaitan prevents you from that. Because if you think about it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His mercy, has placed all of these signs in His creation, right? So that we come closer to Him. He didn't have to, but He did out of His mercy. And shaitan does not even want us to look at those signs so that we can come closer to Him. This is how much He has distracted us. So fight that and get outside. Go look and observe and feel. Don't just stay indoors. Not good for your health, not good for your mind, not good for your iman. You have to get out into the nature. Good for your body, your mind, as well as your iman. And take care of yourself. That even children notice these things. So obviously, when children do, then we must as well. If children look at birds and notice every airplane passing by and notice the sound of it, They look at the grass and they feel the grass. Just yesterday I was in the backyard with my daughter and she was walking on the grass and she fell and some dry grass came into her hand and she was just looking at it, like wondering what it is. She was so intrigued by it. And there we are, we're like, yeah, grass, whatever. We don't even think about grass. We don't even bother to look at it. But there are many lessons. Good for your mind, good for your body, good for your iman. And sometimes, you know, a person might say, but I'm not of the ulul albab, so it's not my fault. Allah didn't give me that kind of intellect. Remember, there are two kinds of intellect. One is gharizi, meaning that which is natural, innate, inborn, okay, instinctive. And the other is iktisabi. Iktisabi is that which is acquired. So one is, you know, okay, a person is sharp, they're intelligent. But the other is iktisabi, meaning you acquire it through your own struggle, through learning, through reflection. So don't just think that reflection will come automatically. No, you have to teach yourself. You have to read, you have to see, you have to reflect, you have to notice. And then you will get the hang of it. Exactly, you're developing a new habit. So you have to develop this habit because this is one of the characteristics of people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises. Then we also see that Ulul albab are who? Those people who remember Allah. So the intelligent ones are those who remember Allah. And if a person does not remember Allah, then is he intelligent? Huh? If a person does not remember Allah, then is he intelligent? No, he's not. Intelligence means that a person will remember Allah. And remembering Allah, what does it mean? That when it's time to pray, a person remembers Allah and gets up. When it's time to cover yourself, a person remembers Allah and covers themselves. Intelligence is not just knowing information. No. It's about remembering Allah and doing what you're supposed to do. Also one thing I would like you to notice here is that if there's so much reward, okay, or so many benefits of reflecting on the creation, then imagine the benefits of reflecting on the deen of Allah. The creation everyone can see. Okay? Deen you cannot see. 
It's not something tangible. So imagine the benefit and the reward of that. That not just learning the deen, but also reflecting on it. Now, what does ribat mean? To tie yourself. To stay connected. Right? When does an apple become ripe? When it's connected to the tree or when it's taken off? When it's connected. When do you grow in your knowledge? In your motivation? When? When you stay connected. In the reflection it was mentioned that when we come here, we get motivated. But then when we go home, we lose it. You know why? Because we're human beings. Once a companion, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that I have become a hypocrite. And the Prophet ﷺ wondered that what happened? He said, نَفَقَ حَنْظَلَ نَفَقَ حَنْظَلَ Meaning referring to himself that I've become a hypocrite. Why? Because when I am with you, O Prophet ﷺ, I am at a different level of fear of Allah, of love for Allah. But then when I am somewhere else, I am at another level. So what was the response that was given? That you are a human being. And if you were to remain in that really high state of iman, then you would be someone with whom angels would greet hands with, out in the streets. Meaning then you wouldn't be human. So because you're human, it's only natural that when you are in a good environment, when you're listening to good things, you are highly motivated. But then as soon as you leave that connection, then obviously... There will be no light, right? When you plug in a lamp, the light will be on. But when you plug it out, then what's going to happen? It's gone. So what's necessary? That we keep a constant flow of electricity, right? That we keep that connection. Obviously, keeping that connection 24 hours is not possible. This is just like your phone. What do you do? You charge it overnight. And then for the rest of the day, you have battery. But then once it dies, then what do you need? You need to charge it again. And then you will use up that battery. But then again it will die. What do you have to do? Charge it again. So the same thing. This is the reason why we do this on a regular basis. This is ribat. Okay? So this is why after completing Surah Ali Imran, what are we doing? Studying Suratun Nisa. It doesn't stop here. And it doesn't even stop at Suratun Nas. You know that? When you reach the last surah of the Qur'an, it doesn't stop there. Because if you charge your phone for 114th time and you say, that's it, I've charged my phone enough, no need anymore. Khalas. Is your phone going to work? It's going to stop working. So what's necessary? The battery drains, you keep charging. It drains, you keep charging. So never let this connection go.